0: reading of god's word the gospel of mark chapter 5 mark chapter 5 so i do 10 percent of the work and i am exhausted so pray for me uh, yeah 50 is the new 40 no it ain't no it ain't people that tell you that aren't 50 <laughs> anyway gotta get back to the word here we go here we go mark 5 21 if you're there say amen reading out of the new living translation And Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Now, let me just pause there. He didn't walk up and go, excuse me, my daughter's dying. The Greek word, when it means pleading fervently means that he was beside himself. He would throw himself at the feet of Jesus. If he were like me and I believed that the Son of God was in front of me in the form of a person, I would have grabbed his coat in reverence and said, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. Please come home with me. So get the picture. If it was your baby and you see the Son of God, this is how he's pleading. My daughter's dying. Would you come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live? So Jesus went home with him and all the people following crowded around him. There was a woman in the crowd that suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had only gotten worse. But she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And immediately, say immediately. The bleeding stopped so she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched me? His disciples said to him, Look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And Jesus said, Daughter... Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. This Greek word peace means not just a relief from your sickness, but there's been a wholeness and a completeness brought to your life by entering into a right relationship with God. And while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the master or the teacher now. And see, this is the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. They said, no use troubling the teacher. But he didn't go to get a teacher to help him. He went to Messiah to help him, the Son of God. While he was speaking, they arrived and said, no use troubling the teacher. Your daughter's dead. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed him to scorn. So he kicked them out. (laughs) I just love that. He made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother. And his three disciples into the room where the dead girl was lying. And holding her hand, he said, Talitha, kumi, which is to mean, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what happened. And he told them to give her something to eat. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus raises a man's daughter from the dead. In chapter 6, it said that he did not do many mighty miracles among them because of their unbelief. And that their unbelief amazed him. In Mark chapter 5, people are amazed at Jesus because of his power. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is amazed at the people because of their unbelief. It is your choice whether you live in Mark chapter 5 or Mark chapter 6. There is no formula for miracles. Don't buy into it. No matter what the television preacher tells you, there is not a step one, step two, step three, and you get it. There are not formulas, but there are patterns in the Word of God. The Methodist denomination came from the idea that God is a God of method. He's traceable. He's not predictable, but He's traceable. And you can see how He acts. And how He acted, He acts today. In this time of crisis, I can only... Imagine, when I pray over my little girls, when they have anything from a cold to an infection, and I know you fathers and mothers understand this. All my emotions come, and I'll I'll tell the Lord, I said, give it to me. Give it to me. Take it, put it on me, whatever it is. I pray for accidents that may happen in the future. I said, God, let it happen to me first. There's there's a, a going before the Lord, knowing that I can't protect them from everything. And all of us in this room... Have either today or in our past had something sick at home? Whether it's our marriage, our relationship with our children, the physical aspect of our our lives, something sick at home, something dying at home, or something dead at home. Something sick, something dying, and something dead. Are there any more difficult crisis than the ones that are in our own home. That's the subject I want to minister encouragement to you today about. I want to talk to you about in times of crisis what we need to do, what we can expect, and how God will show up for us to those that believe. Would you bow your heads with me as I pray a simple prayer this morning? Father God... I just present myself to you this morning as simply as I know how and I ask you to use me for your glory. Let me speak your words in the power of the Holy Spirit and let these words change our mind, the way we think about things, change what we see, change our perspective. Let faith swell in our lives and let us leave today saying, Surely I have heard from the Lord from my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Number one. In times of crisis, be careful to bring your request, your issue, your impossibility, your desperation before God. In times of crisis, make sure you find God. It's okay to come to church if you're looking for God. It's okay to talk to a friend if the friend's taking you to God. But you need to know that your help comes from the Lord that made heaven and earth. You bring your request not through a priest, not through a bishop, not through a pope, a vicar, an apostle. There is no mediator between God and man except Jesus Christ the Lord. You bring your request to God. If you call somebody else first, something's wrong. I'll be glad to pray with you, but I ought to be praying with you about the prayers you've already prayed directly to the Lord. Jairus didn't go to the disciples Did you see how sometimes in the New Testament people went to disciples and they were always disappointed and frustrated? We tried to do a second-hand religion through other people, but Jairus went straight to the Lord. I know that Jairus believed because he came to Christ personally. I know that Jairus believed because he came to Jesus first. He came to Jesus intentionally. He came to Jesus publicly. He came to Jesus unashamedly confidently singularly and directly he came to jesus in faith and this is what i want to say about this point he did not come to jesus with faith in his faith there's a lot of faith people that talk about their faith and they buy faith books so they can show you their faith we are not to have confidence in our faith our faith rests in the person of the lord jesus christ and his power towards us Jay Iris didn't come talking about how I, I believe I believe Jesus knows those that believe or not and he came to him directly expectantly he didn't come thinking it might help when you pray do you pray with a confidence do you pray with an expectation when you believe it's going to rain you take a umbrella you believe the Lord's going to answer what do you do in times of crisis you start preparing for the answer You've heard me say this before, and it's not to brag, it's just a simple truth. We decorated a nursery and went from a Honda Accord that got great gas mileage to an SUV that went to Kroger and back on a full tank of gas before we ever had a baby. Because in our time, our crisis was a longing, an expectation, and we went directly to the Lord. Number two, in times of crisis, be careful not to forget how Jesus responds to those who desperately need him. Notice how accessible Jesus was. So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So this is a type of prayer. This will change the way you see this story. His travels, his path, his dialogue was a type of vocally asking God to help him. And look how easy it was to reach Jesus. Look how accessible Jesus was. Look how quickly Jesus agreed to go with him. I don't don't like it when people use words like bombard heaven. Time out. Bombard, which means heaven is this fortress that's so sealed up and tight that we've got to drop these bombs of prayer to hopefully make a crack to where the mercy of God can come down. Uh Uh-uh. Call on me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, Jesus said, but ask, use my name, that your joy might be full, and all things whatsoever you desire in prayer, believe you receive them and you shall have them. You don't have to twist God's arm. You're not heard for your much speaking. You're not heard because you're great. You're heard because God is faithful and he's accessible to you. God's accessible to you. You use the name. You use the name. He went to Jesus. That was the intermediary. He took the hand of Jesus, which had the hand of God. Jesus was the God-man. And now he's seated at the right hand of God. You have access. And he said, would you come home and heal my daughter? He said, yes. I don't twist God's arm. I let him know my need. We stand before the King, God the Father, the Ancient of Days, sitting on the throne of all thrones. And we come before him and we say, I come this morning in the name of Jesus, and he stands up and leans in and says, what can I do for you? We have the name. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Reverend Moon, not all roads lead to one place. There is one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. One name, and we use that name. Don't you use Christ Chapel when you pray? I go to church. I've been going for 30 years. Don't help. Don't use my name, the name. And notice how accessible. And don't lose sight of the fact that Jesus is going home with him. If you're taking notes, I-N-G, going home with him. He didn't just go home with him. And in prayer, he doesn't do magic often. He can. He can speak over your situation and heal you like a, a cancer patient. If God heals him. Well, they're still weak, and they still have to build their strength. And many times we lose confidence in our prayer because we mistake going home with us as nothing. Because he's not home with us. If you've prayed, he's heard you. And if, you've heard, if he's heard you, this is the confidence you have in him that he is going to answer the request you gave him. He's going home with Jairus. Going wing Home. He's going to the situation you've prayed about. Some of you just saw that. He's going. Watch this. He's coming, I-N-G. He's helping. He's working. He's changing. He's reconstructing. He's restoring. He's healing. He's raising. Sometimes it's a long journey back. Sometimes you walk in prayer, you get all the way there, and it's a long journey back, but long journeys still come to the same destination. God is, I feel it for someone today. That's your answer. Lord, I've prayed and I've prayed. and was, I'm going home with you. From the moment you asked, you were heard. And there's some things that have happened along the way, but we're going to wind up at the same place. Most people Seem to focus on and are experts of what has happened, what is likely to happen, what is missing, the details of how bad it's gotten, what the odds are, and how they personally feel this will end. But they fail to recognize the single most important component of the story, and that is Jesus has given his him his word that I am coming home with you. And when you pray, God wants you to know today, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. One of my things, and I know y'all get kind of tired of this, but I don't. i tell you about my little girls. One of my things that I'm doing early on is I'll tell them something, and then when I fulfill it, I said, look at me. Daddy's always going to keep his word to you. Did I tell you I'd bring you home a sucker? Yes, sir. A sucker I have. I want them to know. And Kelly backs me up. She says, did Daddy tell you we were going to feed the ducks? "Mm Mm-hmm. Then we're going to feed some ducks today. If I'm breathing... And the Father wants us to know that when he tells us, I'm coming home with you, he's coming home with us. I feel a witness of the Holy Spirit working, restoring, restructuring. I don't need people that can more clearly articulate my problem than they can see that God is with me. I don't need you to clearly articulate the mess. That just makes me feel worse. How about this? How about be the friend that walks up and says, oh, I got some. Oh, Jesus is coming home with you. You're good. How about that? It's missing. It's rare. And if you've got friends like that with you that can see the Christ clearer than they can see the problem, hold their hand tight, baby. Hold their hand. I'm preaching. I'm getting my own CD. I'm telling you, I'm buying it. Because Tuesday, I'll be down in the dumps discouraged, and I'll need to play it. And hear Hear it. Do y'all do that? Y'all feel it? Sometimes by Wednesday, you're like, Lord, I don't even know what he preached on Sunday, but I need to find out. Number three, in times of crisis, be careful not to let other people's blessings discourage you. On the way back to heal his daughter, this woman comes in. She's had an issue for 12 years of constant flow of blood, and the Bible says there's life in the blood, so her life is perpetually poured out of her. She's anemic. She's weak maybe jaundice there's just she had suffered much from many doctors spent everything she owned and got none better and touched the hem of his garment mixed with superstition but there was still faith and god healed her virtue flowed out of him and he said who touched me they said jesus what do you mean who touched you there's so many people "Mm -mm, somebody touched me with faith i felt power dunamis glory virtue come out of me and she came forward and said it was me and he said daughter look at this daughter You're still confused about some issues, but you know who I am, don't you? Your faith not only healed your physical body, it brought a completeness and wholeness to your life because you're now in right relationship with me. Go in peace. Well, that's wonderful, except we don't think it's wonderful. When someone that we know jumps in line, we're praying, we're believing. And, you know, you're childless, we're childless, and people aren't even trying. They go, hey, this one's a mistake, but we're pregnant. And you're going, huh? You're praying for something, and it seems like God is answering other people's prayer in front of yours. Please listen to your pastor. If you lose sight of this, you'll be discouraged and let go of Jesus' hand as if the supply has been diminished now because virtue flowed out of him. There is an endless supply of virtue and grace in the one we call Lord. Others' miracles do not mean that God prefers them over you. Other people's miracles may seem to come quicker than yours, but we don't know the whole story. Look at her. She just jumped up and touched a garment and was healed. Twelve years of bleeding. Be careful you don't put your mouth on someone else's miracle because you don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they've lost. You don't know what they've lived without. And you don't know how long their journey has been. And the Lord has taught me this. Listen, I got room to grow in every area of my Christian life. But I practice this one. I learned. Y'all ever learned stuff from the Lord, not out of a book, but in life. I have learned that if I am close enough to see God's glory in your life, I'm close enough to touch it for myself. I've learned if it's around me, I have access to it. And if virtue is flowing out of him that she didn't even ask. She didn't even ask. She had no word from heaven. If this one got a miracle just by touching him, I've already got his word that he's coming home to heal my little girl. Don't be discouraged by the miracles you see around you. You ought to say, oh, I'm close enough to see it. I'm just a moment away from experiencing it for myself glory to the Lord be careful of news that comes to you outside of your personal walk with Jesus if you're taking notes be careful in times of crisis be careful of news that comes to you from outside of your personal walk with Jesus now keep in mind focus on the context how similar this is to prayer While Jesus was speaking healing to the woman with the issue of blood, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus telling him, no use troubling the teacher now, your daughter is dead. So facts came from home. Your daughter is dead. The truth was Jesus told him that I'm going to go home with you and heal your daughter. What do you do when the facts contradict the truth? Don't you buy into this, somebody can just touch you and you look to a man. No, here's what you do. Mm -mm. Miracles don't, we, God may use man, but they're not the key component. Miracles come from God's word, the foundation of God's word. He said, That he's coming home to heal my daughter. Now watch this. How often have you prayed for something, gotten a word from God, saw it in your Bible, heard it in preaching, heard it in a a song. You grasped it and said, I believe. And then word from outside of your walk with Jesus comes to you and said, it's too late. The daughter's dead. Notice he didn't let go of Jesus' hand and walk the other way. And notice Jesus just gave him one little sentence. He said, just trust me. What do you do when the facts contradict the truth? You hold on to the truth till the facts change. You asked, I answered. You hold on to the truth till the facts change. We're not resting, God. We're not. Ma- God told me He's coming home, and here's what I've learned to say: I don't know how He's gonna do it. When a girl's dead, she's gone. When the marriage is dead, it's gone. When the affections are dead, they're gone. When the child is gone, they're gone. How does God do it? I don't know. When the girl comes in and says, I've abandoned the God that you raised me to serve. Well, what do you do? You remember the promise he gave you when you rocked her a million miles and changed her diapers, and the Lord said, I've raised her up to be a Sarah or a Mary, and my hands on her life. And she says, I don't believe in your God. And you've got the facts. She's not lying. And then you got the truth. And you know in your heart when she walks out the door, I know what you said and I know what you think, but God gave me a word and I believe the word trumps the facts. There will always be people who see the dead girl clearer than they see the living God. The words from home brought darkness. Jesus' words brought life. The words from home focused on death. Jesus' words focused on resurrection. Their words looked at the present. Jesus' words looked at the end of the thing. Their words were a result of limited information. And Jesus' words came from absolute omniscience. Don't be angry at these people that are telling you the facts. That's all they can see. But God sees past the facts. And Jesus told them, and he's telling you through this preached word, just trust me. See, just trust me is easy when it's not life or death. And that's not in my notes. That's for someone. I know it. Just trust me is not hard unless it's life or death. John, you going to trust me with your little girls? You going to trust me with your wife and your boy? You going to trust me, John? And people will say, "What what if the doctor comes in and says, wham? You'll hear the Lord say, just trust me. Just trust me. And some of you needed that assurance today that the Lord is going with you. And even though the news that's coming to this ear says it's over, the news coming into this ear says, I'm still with you. So don't tell them. And here's what some, some charismatics miss it. They, they start to go on, oh, the girl's not dead. The girl's not dead. No, she's dead. No, you need to be more positive. I'm positive she's dead. It's not an issue right here. And confession's important, but you don't have creative power. Confession is an overflow of the heart with God. She's dead, but he's the resurrection and the life. That's the point. Oh, she's dead, all right. But this one here, he stepped out on nothing in the beginning and created everything with just a spoken word. And he upholds all things by the word of his power ecosystems operate and continue fall winter summer spring just because he spoke it into being we continue to this day because of his word and he had a word from the lord i'm coming home to heal your girl be careful of any words that come to you outside of your personal walk with jesus in times of crisis be careful not to let a spirit of fear take hold of you some of you are tormented today because you live in fear fear of what's probably going to happen fear of what might happen, and fear of things that aren't even on the horizon. Well, when you get a a statement like your daughter's dead, that's about as serious as it gets. So if these things were written aforetime for our learning, it's to show us how Jesus wants us to act in the moment. What did this man really feel when he heard your daughter's dead? If it were me, I would have felt like my soul just bled out of my body when I heard that. I would have thought, oh my God, my little, my little Isabel or my little Olivia is dead. Jesus said, only believe, only believe. I can imagine the fear that rushed in for this guy. Being a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian that lives in faith does not mean that fear doesn't come in. It means that we don't allow it to stay. When it comes in, it's like, no, I, no I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Because fear in its purest form is an accusation against the character and the keeping power of God in its purest form. I have to worry because you may not be faithful. I hit something then, didn't I? So are we to ignore all that's going on in the world? Are we to ignore the, the new diseases that are coming out? Are we to ignore that we owe... Trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars and our economy is about to collapse. Are we to? No, we're not supposed to ignore that, but we're not to fear. Because even if all the lights in the world go out, the lights in Goshen stay on because we're the people of God. We're the people of God. Christ told Jairus to fear not, and then he told him how to do it. I'll tell people, don't be afraid. Well, I wish you'd tell me how to do it. Believe. Jesus said, fear not. Just trust me. He tells you what to do. Don't be afraid. And what moves fear out? Faith. You can't believe and worry at the same time. Stop listening to the opinions of those around you. Don't listen to the fears in your own heart. Don't count up the odds or start coming apart. Just trust me. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus said, Learn of me and you'll find rest unto your soul. How do you know you're learning more and more about Jesus? By how many scriptures you can quote? No by the rest that comes to your soul. Every depth or level of learning who Jesus Christ is through the study of God's word and through the experiences in your life produce rest. That's how much you know you believe, rest. Learn of me and you'll find rest to your souls. Number six. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I got one more thing to tell you on number five. Faith on one side of the scale outweighs a hundred reasons to be afraid. There is no such such thing as unhealable, unforgivable, unfixable, unrestorable. God asked in the Old Testament and he's asking us today, is there anything too hard for me? No. Number six, in times of crisis, just find God's word on the subject and believe. Jesus went into Jairus' house and asked, while this commotion and weeping, the child isn't dead, she's only asleep. Now, Let's really look at this. When Jesus spoke, it's the same thing as reading the Word of God for you. He was the Word. He was the Word embodied. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So His spoken Word and His written Word and the person, all three are the Word. And He made a statement. She's not dead. She's asleep. Did God lie? I just told you she's dead. She's dead. So did God lie? Was she dead? Oh, no, she wasn't dead. No, she was dead. But God can't lie. And God said she wasn't dead. But she's dead. So how do you process that? God was speaking God. And we were listening men. What God was saying is, without saying it, in just a few moments, that little girl's going to get up. And the best way I can describe it to you in your language is it's going to be like she was asleep and she woke up. God didn't lie. His omniscience sees what's going to happen before it happens. And in the more clearer definition, it was more like she was asleep than dead because dead people don't wake up. And sometimes when you get a word from the Lord, it transcends your own understanding. You, How can this thing be? But Iris grabbed onto that word, and I'll prove it to you in a moment. Jesus said, she's not dead. She's asleep. And regardless of how impossible it may sound, and regardless of the landscape and the environment in which God speaks, regardless of the evidence that contradicts the words he gives us, regardless of the lack of momentum, regardless of what your mind says, your feelings say, what others say, and your experience has been, if Jesus said she's asleep, And if Jesus said she's not dead, then my understanding of dead must be not complete because he told me he was coming home to heal her. And sometimes it's just too much to process. You got to be like a little child and say, Jesus, do your thing. Just, I just give you my babies. That's what I'm going to do. You told me you take care of them. You know, you're starting to grow when you stop telling him how to do it. What you need to do, Lord, is one, two, three, four. Hold on, let me get my notebook and tell you. And you got to do this by Tuesday and put all this together. I said, no, I just, you told me you would do it. And Lord, I'm getting news from here and I'm getting news from there. And I just, I just, you said she ain't dead. So I'm going to side with you. She ain't dead. That's strong. In just a moment, we'll bring this to a close. Two more. In times of crisis, be careful Not to be intimidated or swayed by the unbelief of other people around you. Jesus said, she's not dead, she's only asleep. And the crowd laughed him to scorn. But he made them all leave and took the girl's father, mother, and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Ben, if you would come here, please. Don't be intimidated by other people. Their unbelief their lack of trust, they're laughing at not just Jesus, but what they're laughing at is Jesus, Jairus, the idea that the girl's not dead, the idea that she's just asleep, the idea that she would come back to life. And some of you today are a victim of the unbelief and voices around you that you still keep close to you. Do not be intimidated or swayed. By their unbelief or their laughter. You know why I don't listen to the voices of those that don't believe? This is very important. Stay with me. Because they're not part of my pain. They're not part of my prayer. They're not part of my process. And they don't have anything at stake. That right there would change your Christian life. It doesn't matter to me if you believe or not believe because you're not part of my pain. You're not part of my process. You're not part of the problem. And it's not your little girl that's dying. So I don't need you to believe. That's not arrogance. That's God confidence. If everybody turns away, Jesus said she's asleep, I say she's asleep. And Jesus put them out. Jesus told them, All of you get out. These people aren't necessary. They're not needful, they're not helpful, and they're not relevant. Let them laugh. Unbelief always does. Instead of laughing at God, laugh with Him. Your daughter's asleep. Oh, I don't know what this means, but look out. Look out. Got three babies now. Just a couple years ago, they called me a, fo- uh, a, a, a man unable to have a family. And the Lord showed me showed me and how does he do it we get phone calls from people we've never met would y'all like twins would y'all like a baby would y'all like a boy yeah just that easy and while they're laughing we're laughing because God is mighty and powerful and he's beyond comprehension I can just experience him I can't comprehend him I can just experience him don't be surprised if your circle gets smaller the closer to your miracle. He made everyone else leave. And he took the girl's father, mother, and three disciples in the room where she was lying. Your companions may be the very thing that's keeping you from seeing the glory of God. Ben, if I don't want us to just, that's, that song's perfect. I don't want us to sing. I just want to talk to you a moment. We're going to pray. That's perfect though. I've preached on this text in many churches. I preached this text here about four years ago, but I've, I've grown a lot since then, and I see stuff in it now that I, I didn't see there. But this is a common thing. I remember when the Lord opened this up to me. Why do you think the man went to get Jesus? The, Lord, the Bible doesn't tell us, but why do you think? The woman made him. There's two of us here. This is my opinion. It's not gospel. It's my opinion. She's dying. He he said, I'm not leaving my baby girl. He said, well, one of us is. I I just believe that's what it was. And, you know, he knew. All right. (laughs) All right. So she, did she put the girl in a room and dab her head and check her temperature? Or in the entire process, was she in that mother's arms? That mother held her when her life left her body. And when Jesus got there and said, she's only asleep, and everybody started to laugh, he put everybody out except the three disciples, James, Peter, John, the dad, and he looked at the mother who had watched her baby girl die, and he said, you can come too. Did you catch it? Here she is. She had, I can't process it now that I've got a little girl. I can't. You watch the life go out of them. They're cold. They're blue. Their little lips are blue. And Jesus walks on the property and looks at the woman. He said, oh, you get to come in too. What was she doing? This is what I've been waiting on. Do it. And they shut the door. And some of you are going to hear a door shut. Before long. Just you, God, maybe a husband, maybe a friend. I don't know. Just a few people. And Jesus is going to do something so simple. Talitha, kumi. Talitha, kumi. Little girl, get up. No hype. No shaking her. No simonizing her. No, no, just, just get up. And the little girl got up. And Jesus said, feed her. She's hungry. Now... When a dead person gets up, it, I've, she just sat up and started walking. I'd think you'd have to sit for a little bit. You know, when I wake up, I have to get my bearings. Us old people, we sit on the end of the bed a minute, you know. But if you're dead... So she just got up and Jesus, knowing all things, said, oh, she's hungry too. Y'all got to feed her. Go feed her. She's hungry. She's been dead. So when they come outside... All the laughter turns to, oh, and this is my word for you. There are going to be people that laughed at you that are going to be astonished at what the Lord does for you. They don't say nothing, but they go, "Mm mm-hmm. And some will go, girl, I believed the whole time with you. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. That's why you're not in the circle. In times of crisis, only believe. And I believe because of this word, This is the turning point for people in this room. I'm irrelevant, but the word of God is mighty. And if this is your word, we're going to pray a simple prayer. It's like you, this is, and please know that I don't plan this stuff out. And if I've missed the Lord, I missed it. But sometimes I'll just see like a little picture. And if this is your word, I want to invite you to come to this altar, holding the invisible hand and say, he's coming with me. And I want you to come stand around here. If you're, Jesus is coming with me to my house. He's coming with me. He's coming with me. I want you to physically hold your hand up. He's coming with me. He's coming with me. I believe he's coming with me. Coming with me. Now in your mind, shut the door behind you. You might want to reach back, shut it. Me, Jesus and the problem. Shut the door. Shut the door behind you, don't need no man, don't need no help, don't need a preacher, just God in my house. You still believe, after all this time, after all these disappointments, after all the people that's come and jumped ahead of you, you still believe. He's going to speak over that sick thing. He's going to speak over that dying thing. He's gonna speak over that dead thing. Little girl, get up. Get up. Now, those in the sanctuary, I mean this. If you're one of the three that would have Jesus would have let in, I I believe John, period. Come stand with him. Say, knock, knock. James, John, and Peter. I'm standing with you. I've seen him do it. I've watched him do it. He's done it for me. Put a hand on him, let him know. He's done it for me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Regardless of the delay, regardless of the denial, regardless of the difficulty, he's done it for me. Tell him, whisper it. He's done it for me. Oh, he's done it. He's done it. He's done it for me. I hear the door shutting in my spirit. Bam! Just shutting behind you. He's done it. He's doing it. I hear in my spirit people whispering to the Lord, I still believe, Father. I'm, I'm beaten, but I still, I still believe. I'm broken. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm exhausted, but I still believe. I still believe, oh Lord. I still believe. And you're going to have the evidence of that resurrected life. Your wife will live again, laugh again. Your babies will come home, your body will mend. I believe. I believe those in the sanctuary, just stand with us and lift your hand and thank the Lord for what He's done for you. Thank Him for what He's doing in this place today. In times of crisis, we lift up our eyes to the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord that made heaven and earth. I believe. What's it going to look like, Pastor John? I don't know what your dead thing getting up is going to look like but you'll know you'll say there it is there it is there it is there's a glory here today Lord we just humble ourselves before you we reverence you it's your house your church your people great shepherd of our souls We look to You. We trust You. For that person on the long journey home, we trust You, Lord. Regardless of what we find when we get there, we trust You, Lord. We trust You, Lord. We trust You, Lord. Church, would you look this way just a moment? I have to share this with you to balance it. And I don't want you to think I'm contradicting what I've just preached to you. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But He's also sovereign. Women receive their dead back to life again, Hebrews says. But He doesn't always do the specific thing we ask. That little girl He resurrected, she died again. Whether she was a teenager, in her 20s, middle-aged, or old, she died again. Lazarus died again. Sometimes the thing we pray for dies. Sometimes it dies. But the, the message of this story is, in the end, it all lives. He's the resurrection and the life. So when she died again, at the resurrection, she comes back again. And so, however it pans out here, our responsibility is the believe part. And if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. And I have to tell you this, or it's not, it's just one-sided. You may have to walk through places of, I don't get it. I got your word, and I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But I still believe. And that person, in the end, wins in heaven it's all rewarded it all comes back everything lost everything suffered all comes back so whether it's in this lifetime the little girl gets up or you let her go she comes back again and she's your little girl in the resurrection you see what I'm saying so this message is one of hope but it's not in a formula it's in the person of Jesus Christ and you can trust him man you can trust him Because I know the plans the Lord has for you, says His Word. Plans to prosper you and bless you, bring you to an expected end and give you hope. So don't let go of that hand. No matter what you hear, don't let go of that hand. Take Him at His Word. He said sleep. He means sleep. Amen? Those of you new to our church, we invite you again to join us upstairs. Free lunch. Can you say free? Free lunch. And we just want a chance for you to get to meet our staff and to get to know us, the rest of you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. Thank you again for the love you've shown my wife and I. God bless you.